You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. Well, he's back again to finish our countdown on the best prospects for the NBA draft. But before you listen to this, if you have missed our collection of, I think, at least a dozen different podcasts on the NBA draft that we've done over the past month, please check out our Lakers Fast Break channel. You'll be glad you did. It's got all the updated information right there from you, from not only my guest here today, but also Michael Weisenberg of The Stepian and Stone Hansen from DraftSlide.com, plus our mock drafts that we already had of round one and round two. So please, if if you're really an NBA draft aficionado or, or dare I say, junkie which you'll be hearing more of here in a sec you want to go ahead and check out the lakers fast break podcast today and while you're there please subscribe like share the podcast with your friends if if you've got any basketball fans out there plus all of our other great episodes on the lakers and the nba what's going on i've also got one coming up if you haven't heard it already from laker tom that you got to check out and then of course also as well you go ahead and give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, it would be truly appreciated and greatly thank you from all of us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Well, we are down to our final 10, the final 10 prospects in each position for the NBA draft. And this time we're up to the point guards. So if you haven't heard already, we've we've already done the top 10 small forwards, power forwards, center, and shooting guards. And today we're doing point guards. And here with me again today is a great man indeed. You got to check out all the great stuff that he's doing today on YouTube or on his YouTube channel, I should say, NBA Draft Junkies. And of course, his awesome site, which breaks down everything going on in the NBA Draft. And that is NBADraftJunkies.com. It is Rafael Barlow. And Rafael, always great to have you back, my friend. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. You know, now we're down to the final set of positions. So... We may have to get a little creative in the next couple of episodes to to talk about since there's really not a lot going on. Well, no, we'll still there's still a lot to talk about for me with you. So in future episodes, I want to hear about some of the journeys that you've had when you follow some of these players because yeah. you've been all around the world. I think that's a fascinating journey. If you're allowed to go ahead and share some of those experiences, I know you have on Twitter already, especially when it comes to uh, the Turkish league. I think you were talking about a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. But I know yeah. you've got some some great memories, things that you've already shared on NBA draft junkies.com about your time in Australia 
and so much more. So I'd love to hear your process. What's the G League like as far as the, the development? You've only given little tastes and little hints of that. I'd love to hear more about that coming up in future episodes, plus also what's going on with the draft being pushed back and all that. So there's a little bit more to talk about coming up with you in future episodes. But right now, my friend, it is the top 10 point guards in the NBA draft. Before we go into that, I want to hear your thoughts on your process on how you evaluate point guards. What is your point of emphasis on most shooting or as far as distribution? Is it fuel for the game? Is it the court vision, defense? What are the things you focus most on when it concerns the point guard position? Well, honestly, I feel like it just depends on the player. Um, If shooting was my main focus, then I I probably wouldn't have LaMelo so high on my list. I'd have somebody higher than him. I I may have like Halliburton higher. Or if it's about defense, then I would have Trey Jones pretty high. So it just goes into watching the film, the eye test. What I like to do is I like to watch the film first. And I like to write down my notes on what I see. And then after I watch film, I go look into the stats and then the advanced stats to see if what I saw with my eyes matches what's on paper. And that's something I wanted to know more about, about what you guys evaluate, especially yourself. I know in your brother as well, he uh, his, some of his picks in our mock draft, which you can check out today on our YouTube channel or also as well, you can check it out on the Lakers Fast Break podcast channel. Some of his picks I've been hearing from guys like Chad Ford about some of his picks getting up there. When you see a prospect, a point guard that you really like that some others were maybe not as high on, but then you start hearing buzz and things of that nature on them and they start to rise up the charts and everybody catches up to what you were thinking, how does that make you feel? It's a catch-22. On one hand, you feel like, man, they caught on. Especially if they have a bigger platform. And then on the other hand, you have to be pleased simply because these guys are well-respected and there's a reason why they have a bigger platform. And then it just makes you feel good considering that they're seeing the same things that I saw. So there's a, a little bit of happiness behind it. And then there's also like a little bit of confirmation, you know, because you feel like, okay, I, I, I knew I wasn't too off base here. And one of the best examples for me was Killian Hayes. I had been high on him really early. And I actually, and I mean, we'll get to where I have him, but there was another site, The Ringer, and they had him ranked very high. Kevin O'Connor, he is really high. I think he put him as his number one choice overall. Overall, yeah. And so that made me feel like, okay, that I, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't tripping. I knew I wasn't the only one that saw that. And I feel like if Hayes were, I mean, he is American. I think, um, you know, he's born in Florida, but I think if he would have had an opportunity to play in college basketball this year, I think he'd be higher on a lot of, a lot of boards also. Doing the AAU thing, high school and and maybe a year of college Mm -hmm. here, that would probably suffice. And then, uh, like you said, Killian Hayes is a name that is rising up the draft charts. I've heard him on, uh, Chad's Ford podcast mentioned now several times. Uh, John Hollinger, uh, he's mentioned him on his podcast and also Chad Ford's podcast. So 
-hmm. He is a name that is rising up the draft char draft charts and is someone that's going to be pretty high up on our list. Yeah. So yeah. I know I know we've been delaying this a little bit. So I just wanted to stall for some time here to get people a little more, a little more anxious about what's coming up with your picks. So let's get uh, let's get down to it, my friend. I want to hear your number ten choice for the point guard that fits tenth best right now on your chart for the point guards headed to the NBA draft. For number ten, I'd have Trey Jones from Duke. I think that he's an excellent defender. He's a good game manager. He takes really good care of the ball. I think that he showed that he can score a little bit more this year. Off the top of my head, I believe he averaged about 16 points a game. And I think that he's a guy that should have a long NBA career. I don't know if he's a full-time starter or not, but I think he's a very dependable game manager that will come in and play very good defense. Actually, with Stone Hansen in our mock draft, Ironically, he chose him and drafted him in our first round of our mock draft for the Lakers. And mm -hmm. as someone who I took a, lot, a little bit more closely after he picked, I knew of him and I've seen, uh, you know, obviously you can't miss anybody playing for Duke. You're going to mm -hmm. go ahead and check them out at some point in time. But I checked into him a little bit more after Stone Hansen made that suggestion. And I kind of like that fit more and more each time I watch him on the videos. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Lakers, a lot of people feel like they need a point guard. I just think for him, if he were to play with the Lakers, shooting would have to be something that he, he'd improve on. He improved a lot from his sophomore year to his freshman year, but I just don't know if it would be consistent enough to be able to play a lot of minutes on the floor with LeBron. And that's always the question. Can he play with LeBron? That's always the question for any player heading to the Lakers right now or any of LeBron's teams in the past. We've seen a lot, and we've seen a lot of them not being able to do that. So if it's not going to be a right fit, he's not going to get any playing time, and that's going to be a problem right off the bat, and you wasted that first-round pick if the Lakers go ahead and still choose their pick coming up here in you know when the NBA draft comes around. So that's an interesting choice at number 10. Like you said, someone that may not be a star in the league, but someone who can fill a role and fill it quite nicely. I noticed there's a lot of guards, and it's really a guard-heavy draft, in my opinion, this year. I'm noticing that more and more. Obviously, the NBA is trending that way, as we've talked about on previous episodes. Rest assured, even at number 10 on your list, he's still someone that can make a good contribution. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like I said, he'll have a long career. I mean, he does have something that that you can count on every night. Actually, there's two things. You know that he's going to come in, he's going to play tough defense, and you also know that he's going to come in and take care of the ball. If he were more of a dynamic scorer, if he had a higher upside as a scorer, I think that he'd be rated higher. But I just think, like, he's, um, he's just kind of put into a box. And maybe – he didn't get a chance to show everything that he can do his first two years at Duke. But I feel like, like I said, you know what you're going to get from him. And you know what he brings to the table. So it's a safe pick, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a safe pick. It's someone that's not going to surprise you. It's just someone that's going to be rock steady. And I agree with you. More and more, he's looking like a dependable choice at whatever slot he's chosen at, as long as he's not chosen too high. But someone who will be a major contributor off the bench or as a role player for the next seven to 10 years, I could see easily. Mm -hmm. 
So who do you have at number nine? Number nine on our list of point guards headed to the NBA draft. Number nine is a guy that kind of slipped a little bit for me compared to where I had him before the season started. And it may not really be all his fault. He just dealt with some injuries. But it's Theo Melodon, the kid out of France. I I like him as a as a passer and as I think he has the length and the size to be able to defend multiple positions. He's another guy that is a very I think he'd be a very good game manager. Not sure if he has the aggressive mentality of a scorer to really, you know, become like a a top tier point guard, but I think that he's a guy that can be a contributor and he plays winning basketball. Um, he won not this past season. Well, it wasn't finished, but the year before he won with uh, his team in France and he was so young. I think he was maybe 17 and he played. So then he played EuroLeague this year. So he's had some experience in, you know, competitive games. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm pretty high on, but again, I, I he slips on my list just because I feel like, Injuries held him back. And then the EuroLeague, he found out the EuroLeague is a lot tougher than the Euro Cup. And this is something that's going to be a lot tougher for him in the NBA. But he's young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with the Europeans, they like him the younger the better so that mm-hmm. they can go ahead and develop here more. Uh, you know, even if they didn't get a chance to go ahead and play at a college level here, depending on the league that they were in overseas, it seems like uh, they can get that valuable experience here. It should, shouldn't be too hard to make up as long as they go ahead and get into the right team, into the right type of training and instruction. Yeah. And I just think the biggest difference is in, in Europe, every game counts. And, you know, they were in the Euro league to where, you know, if you don't play well, your team can get removed from the Euro league. So every game counts and there's really not an emphasis on, developing young players. So for me, if I see a young player that's playing in Euro in the Euro League or the Euro Cup, I know that they are in a competitive environment. While sometimes in the NBA, you can say that a team knows they're not going to be good and they'll play a guy for development purposes the whole season. And so I think that's even something that we may see if um, the season picks back up. There's some teams that are just going to say, hey, this season is lost. We're not going to make the playoffs. And they're going to play guys that may not have been playing all season. They're going to play them heavy minutes to see where they fit in next year. So in some cases, not all, you have a better opportunity of playing more minutes in the NBA than you would playing in the EuroLeague. Well, there you have it at number nine. Theo Melodon, I know you've spoken highly of him before, and I know others have, but again, it could be a bit of a project, but the potential is there at number nine on your list. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. 
I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. All right, so who do you have at number eight? Number eight on the list of point guards headed to the NBA draft. For number eight, uh, I may have him higher than others, but uh, I have Devon Dotson from Kansas. I have him at number eight on my list. What I like about him is his speed. I feel like with the open NBA, with the spacing and the open floor, he has the speed that is always going to be able to come in and put pressure on defenses. And so I think that his speed is going to be a major, major asset in the NBA. I think he's a really good finisher also. He may not be a guy that I consider a 8- to 10-year starter, but I think that he's a guy that's going to be a high-rotation guy. And just kind of wreak havoc with his speed. I would kind of compare him to maybe like a Ramon Sessions. You know, Sessions played, you know, he had a pretty a pretty lengthy career. I know, um, I remember when he got the, I forgot, I guess it was a trade the Lakers had, and it was a really, really big deal. But he didn't play as well as people expected him to. Yeah, he was thought to be a replacement, I think. I don't know if it was for Magic, but he was thought to be a next big thing as far as potential is concerned. And you're right, it just uh, didn't didn't quite work out. Yeah, I think he put up, like, really, really big numbers in, like, assist numbers and some scoring numbers. Um, I'm guessing maybe Milwaukee or Cleveland. It was a team that he put up pretty big numbers. But the team wasn't really good. But when he got to L.A., it was a little bit more pressure to perform. And I remember the fans being a little disappointed. But overall, he still had a long career. And he couldn't really shoot, but one of the things that he did well was he got to the basket and he put pressure on defenses. And then once the help came, he was able to make good decisions. Well, there you go. And that's something that you always want out of a point guard is to be able to have that decision-making and for those decision-making skills to be at a level that's going to effectively run your team. So that's Mm -hmm. uh, number eight for you. Who do you have a lucky number seven for the top 10 point guards in the NBA draft? Number seven is also a player that kind of slipped for me, but it's a heavy point guard draft. So, you know, in my opinion, for my top seven guys, if you ask another person, their top seven could all be scrambled up and could look totally different. So for me, I have Nico Mannion. I know he was projected as a lottery pick in some cases coming into the season. I don't think he had a bad year. He just didn't shoot the ball as well as I thought he would. And then there, are, of course, are some questions about his length and athleticism. But I like him. I think that he is going to be an NBA starter. Okay. And as someone that I picked in our draft, in our mock draft, but I think it was the late 20s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and he dropped, like you said, from what the initial projections were. 
especially when a lot of teams at the beginning of the year thought he was going to go really high and could potentially go very high in the lottery. Yeah, and I, and I just think it he just did not shoot the ball as well as that people predicted. And he shot a, a decent percentage, but if he would have shot in the 40s from three and a little bit been a little bit more efficient, I think that his stock would have been higher. Well, fair enough. That's number seven on the NBA draft right there as far as prospects that are, would be headed for the NBA draft in the point guard position. So we're down to number six. So who is at number six for the best prospects in the NBA draft at the point guard position? Well, for me, four, five, and six are so interchangeable. And even now when I'm looking at my list, I'm still trying to debate, do I go with the guy that I have at number six on my list or do I – changed my mind but right now I am it's going to be a shocker but I'm going to have uh, go with Tyrese Maxey as number six I know there's questions whether he's a one or a two I have him as a one I think that's his best long-term position and so but I have him at number six now that's interesting because the fact he's also been highly thought of in fact some people think he may go as high as the early teens in the NBA draft. I've seen him projected out, or depending on who you talk to, I've seen Tyrese Maxey projected maybe around the 10, 11, 12 spot. So that's something that could be very surprising that he's down to number six for you. Just tells me that there's some disparity as far as people thinking that he is going to be on the upper echelon as opposed to being maybe on the middle to the back end of the first round. So I want to hear your thoughts on why he may drop a little bit farther than some people think. Well, I I think that his ranking this year, a lot of it is based off of his reputation that he had in high school. He did not shoot the ball well at all this year. I want to say he was under 30% from three. And one of the, I mean, one of his positives was he's supposed to be a, a good shooter. And then I've read like different articles and I've heard people say that they're, um, they believe he's a much better shooter than the numbers indicate. And, and that could possibly be true. I've had a chance to watch him play in high school and I've even seen him play in a gym or shoot in a gym. And he's a pretty good shooter. I think he has a low release that he may need to either change or concentrate on shooting deeper like Trey Young. But I also feel like he could be a guy that he was really held back in the system at Kentucky. We've seen quite a few Kentucky players who, once they make it to the NBA, they're a lot better players than they were in college. I mean, even though Carl Anthony Towns was the number one pick, he did not really get a chance to show his full skill set that he had at Kentucky. Then you can make a case and say Devin Booker, who didn't start. Definitely. Um, I was thinking of that very same individual. Gilles Alexander, he was good. He came on late in the year but he's definitely been a much better pro than a lot of people anticipated. So Maxi could fall into that category and it could be something, you know, a year from now, people remember this podcast and say, Oh yeah, you, you had Maxi number six. So this draft is, is such a crapshoot, but I did consider, you know, the, the fact that he may not have had an opportunity to really showcase what he can do with Kentucky having three guards that, that I feel like all really play the same position. But as of now, as of today, which is May 12th, I have him number six on my list. 
Well, so funny. I hope a year from now they'll still be remembering this podcast. They will. <laughs> you got to have faith. I got to have faith indeed. Number five on your list of point guards headed to the NBA draft. It now comes down to the top five. So who is the fifth individual you have in your top 10 list of the NBA point guards headed to the NBA draft? Number five, or, yeah, number five is um, another guy that's pretty solid. So I, I have one player that's shooting up. Um, but number five, I have Tyrese Halliburton. I, I like him for what he does, but I think he could easily be a boomer bust guy. But I think he's steady. For him, it's all going to be based off the team and the fit. I think he's a, a point guard, but he has the length to possibly defend one, one through three. But I think he's also more of a point guard that fits alongside a dominant ball handling two. So even though this is a team that won't be selecting this high, but if he would be, in my opinion, a good complimentary player to like a James Harden. Well, Harden still gets to dominate the ball. Halliburton becomes a secondary playmaker, and he's a very good knockdown shooter when his feet are set. But as far as creating off the dribble, getting into the lane, that's not his game. He kind of reminds me of Lonzo Ball, to be honest with you. I think Lonzo plays his best basketball when he's on the floor with Drew Holiday. And that's something I wanted to ask you about with Halliburton, because Halliburton dropped in our draft. But people are talking about him as a potential top 10 and even on the outskirts of the top five. Uh, Halliburton being right around number five, number six. I've heard his name there in uh, other shows and I've seen other lists. So that's what I want to ask you. I mean, you have him a little bit down further. In fact, our draft, I picked him, I believe, at number 15, if I'm not mistaken. So – that's the case he's dropping in our eyes i understand why he dropped for me or why he dropped for all of us as far as on on, from what i was seeing but if you can explain out there why halliburton even with all those assets and gifts that you've been talking about could slip a little bit in the draft well i think that he can easily fall into the box as a steady safe pick and then this could be a draft where someone says there's so many question marks, we're just going to shoot for the home run mm-hmm. or, or a guy that we think may have a higher upside. So I could see that happening. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he falls to 15, which I don't think he'll fall that low in the real draft. But I could actually see him going as high as, like, seven. But I think for him it would be fit. For example, if New York has the pick and, you know, the top guards are gone – he may be a guy who they say, well, you know what? He fits nicely next to R.J. Barrett. We'll let R.J., you know, dominate the ball and, you know, be our main scorer. But he's a guy that can get us in the offense, and then he'll space the floor and knock down open shots. I've seen, like, in my draft, my mock draft that I updated maybe like two weeks ago, I have him going to Chicago. And I think that he'd be a good complimentary piece to the guards they already have. Even though they drafted Kobe White last year and they have Zach Levine, I feel like Halliburton is a guy that can play on the floor with both of them. And in some cases, all three of them. So he compliments those guys because, you know, my opinion, Kobe White is a, he's a scorer. He's a, he's a bucket. And that's what he wants to do. So, (laughs) 
if him and Levine are on the floor together, the ball may not move, especially if White gets hot. If he gets hot, I mean, he's impressive when he gets hot, but the ball just stops moving. And so I think they, the, you know, he may not get a chance to start playing along those two, or maybe White's long-term potential is as a high-scoring six-man. But I think he fits along there. And even a Cleveland, if Cleveland falls in the, you know, pass number five, I think he's a guy that they can consider because – He's a pass-first guy, which they don't have. Yeah. You know, both of their guards are, are, are looking to score. So it just depends with him on, I think, you know, based off of the team and how the lottery plays out. And so I feel like he can go high or he can slip out of the lottery. Well, there you go at number five with Halliburton. Again, his name has been all over the place on draft boards, and that will continue probably to be the case until we get closer to the NBA draft. So who do you have on number four? Number four, as far as the top ten prospects, headed to the NBA draft. Number four is my biggest mover, and he's a guy that I'm pretty high on, and it's um, Kira Lewis from Alabama. I, I like him a lot. He's young. Even though this is a sophomore year, he's still – he just turned 19. He has good size at 6'3". He's really skinny. That could be the knock on him is that teams may not feel that he can put on weight. But he's a he's a scorer. He's, he shot pretty efficiently from the floor. Shot about 36% from three. He averaged about five rebounds, five assists. But he has speed that can always get into the defense – and he's a guy that I'm, I'm, I'm higher on him than a lot of other people. So I'm curious to see if, you know, what you mentioned earlier in the podcast, is he a guy that all of a sudden I'm going to see his name higher on other lists as, as we get closer to the draft day. But I really, really like Kerry Lewis. There you go. And that's someone, like I said, is, is rising up. Your brother was the first really to have me take notice of him as a prospect. And I glanced at him before, and then I took a second look after, you know, you, like like we talked about, your brother really being so high on him. And it seems like a lot of other people are getting a second look on him, too, because he is rising up draft boards. And I think there's no other name I've heard that's r- risen up faster than him. Yeah. And I don't know why he was so underrated during the season, but for guys that are fast, that can knock down shots, that rebound, and can distribute the ball very very important for today's nba very important indeed so that is number four and there's a possibility he can go up even higher on this list when all is said and done so who that's who you have at number four who do you have at number three for the top 10 point guards in the nba draft number three i have cole anthony now anthony is a guy that i've had a chance to Watch this film again, and it changed my thoughts. I wasn't high on him during the season. Before the season, I was pretty high on him. During the season, I, you know, I, there were some things that I, I I didn't like. But then, as I watched this film again, he's kind of moved back up to where I had him before the season started. And I mean, that North Carolina team was historically bad, so <laughs> it probably wasn't the best fit for him. And that's the problem. People are weighing his performance and the skill set off of that type of NCAA team. In the ACC, we saw how catastrophically bad the Tar Heels were. Should you really hold it entirely on, on the blame as far as at his shoes? 
Well, it just depends on how you look at it because someone can say, well, he chose to go there. <laughs> you know, it's like, unlike the NBA where you don't really have an opportunity to pick who your teammates are, he had the opportunity to pick the school and, and, and pick the system. And it just didn't work out for him like he initially planned. But just in my second chance or my second, um, you know, time going through his film, I realized that he's a very good shooter off the ball. And uh, he still makes some crazy decisions. He's still very, very aggressive as a scorer. But one of the things that I really like that you can't teach is his mentality. And so, you know, he tore his meniscus this season and he missed 11 games. Well, he could have easily just packed it in and say, you know what? I don't want to risk my draft stock. I'm good. I'm considered a lottery pick. There's no need for me to come and play, especially on the team that he had. But he came back, he played, and he played the same way. He didn't play passive. I want to say that in his first three games back, he went to the free throw line over 30 times. So that competitiveness and that fire is something that you can't teach. And so I think that's going to be him long term. I do think that he can. he's a decent passer when he wants to be. I think that he makes – it's kind of hard to explain. I feel like sometimes he he sees the pass, but because his team was not good, I think sometimes he may have been reluctant to make certain passes and he was more comfortable shooting the ball. Only time will tell. I don't really know if he's a one at this point. I think that he's a guy that can play both guard spots simply because he's such a good shooter off the ball. And he understands how to relocate and move to get open, which, you you know, a lot of point guards don't understand that because they're just so used to having the ball in their hands. So I think that that could also be a role for him. He turned the ball over a lot. But again, are we are his turnovers because he made bad decisions or his turnovers because he just wasn't on a good team? And sometimes he was looking to force stuff when it really wasn't there. So. Only time will tell about that, but I think that after watching this film a second time, I'm, I'm back high on on the Cole Anthony train. You mentioned that you know, in some recent comments on Twitter mm-hmm. that you were going to give him a second look, and it looks mm-hmm. like it's been worth it as far as for your evaluation to see that he can still hang somewhere within that top ten vicinity. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say probably between the eight and twelve spots he might go. To me, it sounds like he's going to be a, a fit right around there. His father is Greg Anthony, so I'm, I'm very uh, you know, happy to see his success, hopefully uh, for going forward for him, although he didn't play at UNLV, which is kind of a bummer. I know for Las Vegas fans out here, that was really kind of a bummer for everybody when he decided he was going to go to NC instead. But I want to see the kid work out. I know a lot of it's being held against him because of his team and because of his defense as well. So is that something of, of any alarm to you? Because I know his defense often gets criticized outside of also, like you said, his playmaking ability as well. Well, he has the physical tools to be a good defender. He's quick. I mean, he may not be really long as far as, as far as length, but he can move his feet and he's tough. He's strong. So it's just up to him if he wants to become a good defender. But for me, it was, the shooting off the ball 
that really like pushed him back up to my top three because I think that he can play both guard spots. So if, if he, a team ever decides that, okay, he's not a good enough decision maker or playmaker to be our point guard, I think that he can still find a way to be an NBA starter. So that's number three, Cole Anthony, on your list of the top 10 point guards in the NBA draft. Now comes to the final two. And once again, I'm talking to Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com and also his great YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies. Please subscribe, like his videos. They go very in-depth into the prospects headed to the NBA Draft. So it is a must-watch every time he puts up a new video at NBA Draft Junkies. Or you can read his listings today. Like you said, he just came out with a mock draft a couple weeks ago. He's also got some detailed profiles right there on the site. NBADraftJunkies.com. And we're now down to the final two, my friend. Final two of your top 10 picks right there for point guard in the NBA draft. Yeah, we're at the two that everybody came in to, to hear. Um, and I think this is going to be a debate all summer long until the draft. Who's the best point guard in, in this particular draft? And I'm going with LaMelo Ball as my number two point guard. Ooh, very interesting. Do tell, yeah. young man, do tell. It's not a knock on LaMelo by any by any means. I thought that he had a, a good season. I mean, he only played 11 games, if I'm not mistaken. Phenomenal passer. He's the best passer in the draft, in my opinion, and, and I think that I, I share that opinion with most people. Just to – I mean, just the stuff that he does and, and – what he sees and the passes he can make, you just don't see that. And especially at six, seven, good ball handler, he's shifty. There's just not many guys like him. I really don't know who to compare him to. Um, I, he, he does still have a little, you know, quite a bit of flaws in his game. As far as just a guy that's going to come in and create opportunities for others and sell tickets and just make passes that will, you know, get fans out of their seats with my little ball. There you go. And one of the things I want to ask you is we know about his shooting. Right. And it's kind of rough. We know about his defense, and it's not like his brothers. It's still kind of rough, work mm -hmm. in progress. But we do also do, and you've also on previous episodes talked about his ability to shoot a floater much better than his brother who can't shoot a floater to save his life. In fact, you know, if, it's out of, if we were out in a pool – yeah, he wouldn't be floating very much. Let's put it that way, because it, yeah, his float, his floater is not what you call a floater. His touch around the basket for Lonzo Ball is not there yet. It's not even close. Even but, at the free throw line. Yeah, exactly. Even at the free throw line. But Lonzo has has really just gotten a lot more into that. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you see the differences in their games when it comes to speed and athleticism. When it comes to speed and athleticism. Is he capable of playing the point guard position or will he have to be moved to somewhere like, say, off guard or or maybe even small forward because of his height at 6'7"? That's a good question. I don't think he's as bouncy as Lonzo was. I mean, if you remember at UCLA, they used to run a lot of backdoor lobs for, for him. But I And Lonzo's – I didn't know if Lonzo was – going to be well I put it like this when Lonzo was in school I didn't think he would be the defender that he is in the NBA so maybe LaMelo 
could become a better defender in the NBA. But to me, it's just men- mentality with him because I think he does have the the length and the quickness to defend. If he decides to like, you know, I'm going to be a plus defender, I think he can be that because you can make a case and say he may be just as physically gifted as Lonzo. Lonzo may jump higher, but I think LaMelo is more shiftier or quicker. I think they're both fast in the open court, but I think as far as just like if you were, you know, basing it off of quickness and first step and maybe even like how they slide their feet, I think LaMelo may have a little advantage there. It's just Lonzo has bought into being a good defensive player. And that's something I think that LaMelo has to be able to do and get into that focus and that mindset because one of Lonzo's best traits is his off-the-ball and on-the-ball defense. Uh, I think he's just an outstanding defensive player even already at this early age. And, of course, outside of his vision, that's one of his his best attributes out there on the floor for New Orleans. So if – you know, if – LaMelo can copy any of that. I think he'll be able to go ahead and be an effective player. I still think that there's a chance he might go number one just because, like you said, he's got such great court vision. And I think of any player in the draft, he has the strongest attributes. I mean, the best shooters, the best passers, the best rebounders, the best block shot artists, best steals. Of anybody in the draft, I think he has the one gift that's better than anybody, which I think might be too attractive to pass up in either the number one or number two slots. Yeah, I can see that. His his passing is definitely just on another level. But just to play devil's advocate, he only played 11 games. So you really have a small sample size of video to watch. He was on a really bad team. He was on a team where he was given total freedom and in my opinion, there are questions if if he'll be able to perform the same way if a coach does not give him that freedom. Because if you look throughout his career, and it's, it's just weird saying career because he's only, you know, he's still a teenager, but he's always had total freedom. He's always been able to shoot whenever he wanted to. Um, he's been able to just throw like really high risk passes. And I, I, in order to get the best out of out of him, you're gonna have to give him a long leash and allow him to be creative and 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 gamble. He's gonna, you know, make some high risk passes and turnovers. So I think going to the right system or coach that's gonna give him that opportunity. So it, in my opinion, it's just gonna be interesting to see if he goes to an NBA team where everything is not set up for him. Yeah. And I and agree. how is he gonna respond to that? But if he goes high, then the chances. You know, if he's the top pick or two or three, the chances are the team is going to give him the keys and put him in the best position to succeed. But that team that he had in Australia was just not good at all. And that's something you're going to find right now in the Australian League that's that is going to be a mix or match as far as, uh, you know, a feast or famine as far as the type of individuals you're going to be playing with. And we're seeing that, uh, at least I am, when I watch stuff from either – Israel, Europe, what have you, you're seeing like maybe one or two top teams and then everybody else seems like to be a little bit of mix or match there as far as who's playing in some of these leagues overseas. Yeah. And to me, um, 
And I, I think the Euro Cup or the Euro League for sure, and maybe even some of the domestic leagues in Europe are a lot better than Australia. And so, and that's why I have the guy number one ahead of LaMelo. <laughs> That's uh, uh, what I'm hearing. And I actually kind of knew that was coming from you because you have spoken so highly. And there are a chosen few individuals out there that are speaking highly of who you're going to have at number one. I will say this for LaMelo Ball. I mean, if, if he goes to the right team, it could be something that is really, really special. I think he would be outstanding on the Warriors because of all the shooters that they have. I think he would just be a great fit right there. Instead of Wiggins, that's my personal feeling right there. Put him in that slot to distribute it, and I think it could be really something special there because of the fact that, like you and I both know, it's such a great passing offense when it really starts to click and all that. Those passes, boom, 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 and then a shot, boom, 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 and then a shot. i love to see that happen again in Golden State as a basketball fan. Now, mind you, that would mean that the Lakers would have a little bit tougher time, but, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. I still want the Lakers to win out, mind you. But, uh, you know, be that as it may, uh, I think that LaMelo, like you said, has to, of any of those top choices, has to have the right fit in order to succeed. Because if he doesn't, because of the lack of things that he cannot do very well, they'll stick out like a sore thumb even more. And I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm not a fan of LaMelo to the Warriors. And the reason I say that is because, I mean, I think it would be good for him from a learning aspect. But can you imagine him not getting back on defense or not playing defense and Draymond just lighting into him? Because they're going to be trying to play for a championship next year. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that they're going to – they're trying to win. You know, they're they're going to come in next season with a chip on their shoulder because people are going to be forgetting about them. And then I just don't think that they're going to be a good fit for a young player that needs the ball in his hands. So well, that's well, why I had, I had mentioned, like, a guy like Wiseman who doesn't necessarily need the ball would be a good fit for Golden State. And this is just my opinion. But a guy that needs the ball in his hands – that is going to be expected to put up good numbers as a number one pick. I think the Warriors are a bad fit for for them because they already have the ball is going to be in Steph's hands. Draymond's going to be the secondary playmaker. So is you know, <laughs> do you take the ball out of Draymond's hands or Steph's hands for Lamelo when you're trying to win now? Because I feel like the Warriors' window to win a championship is it's a small window. So. I personally would like to see LaMelo go to a team to where he can have the ball in his hands every play. Oh, there you go. That's uh, LaMelo Ball at number two on our list. And now it is number one. Somebody that I've become familiar with through you, through Stone Hansen, and also through Michael Weisenberg. But also when I hear these podcasts from some of these draft experts, they are really high in this kid. You mentioned the ringer with Kevin O'Connor. Uh, I think that is someone right there who also is extremely high and has him number one overall on his draft board. So I want to hear your thoughts on the number one point guard you have headed to the NBA draft. Yeah, my number one point guard is Killian Hayes. He's been my number one pretty much, I want to say since November, 
really high on him. The one, if there is a knock on him offensively, is that he did not shoot the ball well from three. He shot about 29%. But I'm buying stock into his improvement because he has such good touch around around the rim. And even from the free throw line, he shot about 87% from the free throw line. I think his percentage is also a little low because he takes tough shots. He shoots a lot of threes off the dribble. So that plays a, a role in his percentage. But I just love his creativity. I think LaMelo is probably a better creative passer, but there's not many guys that are as creative as a passer as LaMelo. But in most drafts, Killian Hayes would be the best passer in the draft. I mean, he you can make a case and say the – out of outside of Luka Doncic, Killian Hayes and and um, Lamelo Ball are like the best two passers, and maybe like the last four or five drafts, just coming off the top of my head. So, but yeah, I'm high on Hayes. I, I think that he has the potential to be a three level scorer. He's really crafty. He's not going to blow you away with elite athleticism, but he just knows how to get to his spots. He's six five. He you know, is creative ball handler, uh, creative score. He uses step backs. I mean, he was one of the best finishers in transition in, in Europe. As he finishes, he shoots a good percentage around the rim, even though the fact that he just does not use his right hand. And I, I watched a lot of his film, and he does need to, you know, make improvements on, you know, just ball handling with his right and finishing with his right. But even though teams know what he's doing, and even though teams were still trying to force him to his right, he was crafty enough to just still find ways to put the ball in the basket. So I really like his potential as a three-level scorer, but scoring is not his best attribute. It's his ability to run the pick and roll and make plays for others. Well, there you have it. Killian Hayes is the number one draft prospect at the point guard position for the NBA draft. Is he number one on your big board? Um, you know, I haven't really done a big board as far as ranking guys. I just did my board based off of the Tankathon draft order, and I did it based off of who I thought would be the best pick at that at that position. So that's something I'll probably work on in the near future of just ranking guys regardless of position or, or team fit. That's usually something that I kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of tough for me because I'm always thinking of, of team fit, even though, you know, a lot of times teams are just going to take the best player available anyway. But, yeah, Hayes is definitely in the mix. You know, it would be between him and possibly Anthony Edwards. But I think overall, if I had to choose between Anthony Edwards and Killian Hayes, I, w- I would take Killian Hayes. I'm not in love with Anthony Edwards. I'm just going to be honest with you. Even your assessment and Stone Hansen's and Michael Weisenberg's and all the the other shows and other lists I've seen and other reports and, and detailed breakdowns of him, I'm not in love with him as a number one pick. I still think he would be great as if he falls down to maybe the, the number five or, or number four slot. I think he'd probably be a better fit there personally. But, yeah, I, I think Killian Hayes, the more I see, the more I like. And I'm almost beginning to agree with you that he would be a number one choice overall in the NBA draft. Yeah, and it's, I just think it's going to come down to, you know, who has to pick. This is such a weird draft because if 
Golden State, Atlanta, Minnesota. If those take Cleveland end up with the number one pick, they all have point guards that either they've signed to long-term deals or, you know, you know, Trey Young is going to be in Atlanta forever. Um, D'Angelo, the Wolves just traded for him. You know, the Warriors have Steph. So it, 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 he could easily be the number one player on my board and or the number one player on a lot of boards. And a team may say, well, we already have a point guard, so we're going to trade the pick. So this is probably as unique of draft as I've seen. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. You got to check out NBADraftJunkies.com and his awesome YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies. Before we head on out, my friend, because it's been a great countdown of your top prospects for the NBA Draft by position. And once again, you can check out all those great things today at the Lakers Fast Break on all the different top 10 lists that we've done so far. If you have any questions, you can also email us LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com, and also as well, send us a tweet. That's going to be at LakersFastBreak. But before we head on out, you got to go ahead and give us an update of what's going on at NBA Draft Junkies. Uh, right now, it's just the same. Just um, watching film, and, and I, I'm ready to uh, put out another video. By the time this podcast is up, I should have the Cole Anthony video up. Where I'm doing um, two videos, one for his – you know, what I like about this game, then the next video will be about areas where I, I think for him to improve. I still haven't decided which prospect that I'm, I'm going to do next. And then my next goal is not necessarily next in order, but I plan on coming out with a video explaining my, um, my lottery, my top 14 picks based off of the Tankathon standings. Well, there you have it. And you can find that at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube and, of course, NBADraftJunkies.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But, yeah, you got to be hanging around a little bit more here on the Lakers Fast Break. You're not done with us, not by a long shot, because there's still so much to talk about. Again, your travels, your experience, there's so many great stories I'm sure you could tell us if you choose to and if you want to. Plus, also, there's still more development and draft talk as it as it you know as it appears and as it comes down the pike because we're still probably a ways off from the NBA draft. Anytime you need me as a guest, I'm here. I know this is you know as mentioned before, this is a weird time. Like normally around this time, we would probably be anticipating the the lottery, you know the the lottery selections and know where teams draft order will be, but we're so far away from that that uh, it could easily spill out until until late August, possibly. So we'll, we'll have a lot of time to talk draft. Exactly. And there'll be a lot of time to definitely evaluate what's going on with all these players. And that's the good thing about this. Not that there should be really any many good things uh, as far as what's going on with the coronavirus and all that. But one of the few small positives is that you'll be able to at least have more time to take a look at these draft choices 
with some extra evaluation. And of course, based off a lot of people can go ahead and check out your NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page. A lot more, a lot more detail, though, not just one, two, three, or five videos. They can check out your entire list because they'll have more time on their hands. Yeah, I think I've made maybe 70 videos for this draft class since the start of this basketball season. So I have quite a few videos up and quite a few more to go just because I've decided to to do voiceovers for each video. It's kind of slowed down my production because it takes a little bit more time because I'm actually speaking into and to uh, speaking about what I see as opposed to just in the past few years, I would just watch guys put out a video and just kind of put a few tabs on the screen of, you know, different stats that I wanted to highlight. So I wanted to go more in depth this year. So it's kind of slowed up my, my progress, but this is a year that I have a lot more time than usual. So I should probably end up with well over a hundred videos once it's all said and done with the draft. Well, that's amazing. And you can catch that today at NBA Draft Junkies on YouTube. I'll tell you what, Raphael, it's always great having you here, helping me decide or choose or listen to exactly your thoughts on as far as the best picks coming up in the NBA Draft by position, plus also helping me learn more about who might be the best options for the teams out there in the NBA Draft. That's always great to hear. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, I just wanted to thank you for the opportunity to come on your show and talk the NBA draft. And it's something that I've mentioned nearly every episode, but I just really wanted to let you know that I just appreciate the opportunity to come on and speak to your listeners. Oh, that's awesome, my friend. Well, I'm sure our listeners always appreciate every time you come on. You, you have such great knowledge. I look forward to our future conversations coming up here. And it's just so great to have you a part of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.